Cowabunga, and welcome to the Disenfranchised Podcast, for that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me as always, America's favorite fearsome fighting teen, it's Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, Stephen. How we doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm just a little, a little tired. Yeah, it's early. We're doing an early recording today because you're busy. You're a busy boy. I woke up um, almost an hour ago. Mm. Woke up at eight thirty. It's nine nine twenty two now. I woke up at at seven thirty. It's nine. It's eight twenty two now. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I'm because you're in the you're in the I'm in the future. You're, you're in, in the, the future. I'm I'm an hour and I'm an hour in the past. Yeah. That's pretty. So cool. it's gonna take uh, it's gonna take me an hour to catch up with this conversation. Uh, That's like either, time I'd, travel or something. Kinda, yeah. Either because I'm in the past or because I'm so very, very tired. Um, but yeah, so, and and of course, Brett is uh, out uh, working on uh, catching 13 monsters in order to uh, get rid of his immortality. We wish him a safe and speedy return. Um, in the meantime, Tucker, what movie are we talking about today? We're talking about... 2007's animated feature film TMNT. TMNT from 2007, of course, because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is out in theaters this weekend, and so we figured, why the fuck not? TMNT. Well, I'm going to go see it, too. Of course you are. Uh, TMNT directed by Kevin Monroe, uh, written and directed by Kevin Monroe, and uh, starring Patrick Stewart, uh, Mako, Chris Evans, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, Kevin Smith, Z Zhang, Lawrence Fishburne, Mitchell Whitfield, James Arnold Taylor, Mickey Kelly, Nolan North, John DiMaggio, Paula Mattioli, Kevin Michael Richardson, Ted Tadaschiori, and a number of just well-known, well-established voice actors, including, but not limited to, Jennifer Hale, Greg Griffin, Jim Cummings, Greg Baldwin, D. Bradley Baker, Tara Strong, Phil Lamar, Jess Harnell, and the great Billy West. What a cast! What a picture! I agree. Uh, that's 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 a hell of a voice cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to see. It's always nice to see Darkwing Duck. Mm-hmm. And and Stimpy is always nice to see as well. Absolutely. I uh, as I was and listening, Bender, Bender's in there. Bender, as well. Bender, Bender, Bender Rodriguez. Absolutely. Um, and uh, of course, uh, with uh, Nate Drake is in there also voicing uh, Raphael, I believe. Who's who do I know Nate Drake from? Uncharted, dude. Oh, Nolan North. Yeah, Nate Nathan Drake. From Drake. Yeah. Okay, I've never heard anyone shorten Nathan Drake's first name. You threw me off a bit. That's what I didn't I know mean. you guys. I didn't know you guys were uh, such good friends that you nicknames for each other. We're tight. We're tight. Um, he just yeah. You know, he lets me call him Nate. What can I say? Um, but uh, but yeah, like uh, an impressive voice cast. From what I'm given to understand, uh, the the entire cast was just voiced by established voice actors. Uh, until the Weinstein's came along, the Weinstein company just slapped their logo and name all over the front of this movie, uh, and they were the ones that insisted that we cast uh, Patrick Stewart and Sarah Michelle Gellar and Chris Evans in this movie. So there you go. Uh, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, it's they, it's a typical so. Hollywood thing, though. They did it with future episode of this podcast, Scoob, too. They do it with everything. Yeah. Where you're like, well, you you people who have been doing the voices of these characters for years, you're not well established enough. You're not well known enough. No one cares about you. So let's get a celebrity to do your job. Um, you, do you remember before like The Lion King or like maybe before Aladdin when we just didn't even know who was in Disney movies? Mm-hmm. Just nameless voices. Yeah. Maybe I mean, they that. were in the credits and all, but like <laughs> who cared? Really? I think I think honestly it's pat carroll in the little mermaid is kind of the first step in that direction yeah and then of course robin williams in aladdin Um, meant we're getting now top tier hollywood talent to to do these things as opposed to like because pat carroll i think she was an established name at that point but I remember my mom being very excited that Pat Carroll was in it. And I remember my mom also being very excited that Robbie Benson was the voice of the beast. Like these are things I remember my mom being very excited about, but meant nothing to me. Uh, I, I recognize the voice of Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Potts and beauty and oh, the beast yeah. as well. But like, those are all like established Broadway people. And those are like Howard Ashman's gets for those characters. Um, but yeah. then you get Robin Williams and Aladdin and that just suddenly like ratchets everything up to like the top oh, yeah. tier. By the time you get to Lion King, you've got Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Mm-hmm. You've got Bill James Jones. Earl Jones, Jeremy Irons, mm-hmm. fucking Matthew Broderick. <laughs> now that movie does establish Nathan Lane and early Sabella, Ernie Sabella again, Broadway guys that does establish them as top shelf talent, which moves yeah. Nathan Lane into, I think that and the producers, I think moved Nathan Lane into a higher echelon of stardom then he might have known and and, and the birdcage mike nichols the say, bird yeah cage. the birdcage yeah. yeah it Which wasn't is, a huge hit but it did a lot for his career i think it, it really it really put him out there and uh, it's a great movie <laughs> i agree birdcage great movie love it um wish we had an excuse to talk about it on this podcast god it's a great movie um but there was never supposed to be a sequel so what are you gonna do uh but yeah we are talking about tmnt from 2007 um yeah, man. Um, this is definitely a movie we watched. It is the very first full-length animated Ninja Turtles film. Um, it is 14 years after the previous film. Okay, so here is here's a question. I just want to get this out of the way right up top. Uh-huh. Um, there are some fans who speculate that this movie is a standalone sequel to the previous turtles franchise well i don't think you can really argue against that because of the trophy room scene at the end the trophy room scene and the fact that there's no shredder but beyond that it has almost nothing in common with those films uh in terms of like the origins of the characters or like like Splinter doesn't have like the 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 visual character designs are completely different with Splinter in particular um, I mean, if I think if you want to if you want to believe it, it's there. But I don't necess- because again, that this isn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles four. Um, this is like a completely. Di- it, it feels like a a spinoff more than it feels like a direct sequel. Well, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think as someone who is who's still a huge fan of the first film first live action film the first one's great i think that they get the personalities spot on 
like to me these these could totally be the same turtles okay even even the voice acting i feel like was sort of made to sound a little bit like those original actors from the first film okay uh, like i said i think the personalities uh the tone is is very similar to the first film but I don't know. I, like the second and the third film, even though I like the second film because it's fun, mm-hmm. they're totally different than the first one. Yeah, it's I and mean, to me, this film feels like a sequel to the two movies in a different timeline where they followed the tone of the first movie instead of going wacky in the second and third one. Does that make sense? I, it does. And I mean, I think you do that with regard to the second and third films and making them a little wackier. I think you do that due to the popularity of the cartoon. Yeah, like the first absolutely. film is made off of the off of the comics. Well, the first film was made off of the cartoon too. That that movie wouldn't exist without the cartoon. Sure, but the cartoon had a much goofier, sillier. Like all the characters are very much softened, and that's yeah. not what that first movie is. Like the tone is very consistent with the comics. Again, I agree, and we should probably do a little bit of history on the turtles, both ours and the history of the just the the property in general. Um, hey, man, I'm I live in. I live in turtle country, man, uh. <laughs> because, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created in Dover, New Hampshire, which is uh, oh. not far from where I am. Right on. So, yeah, let, well, let's 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 go ahead and talk uh, a little bit about the history of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, that is the brainchild of uh, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. Uh, who created them as a parody of Daredevil. Daredevil, yeah. It's a parody of, of specifically Frank Miller's run on Daredevil. Uh, so you have uh, basically the accident that created Matt Murdock, the, 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 butt, or the, the truck crash that gets um, blinds him and gets the, the radioactive waste in his eyes. That seeps then into the sewers and falls on some turtles and a rat. Uh, who then become Splinter and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, the origin is changed eventually for the movie, but the, I believe the uh, the cartoon keeps it the same. No, it's the opposite, actually. Uh, oh, is it? The movie, the movie has um, the comic origin. In the cartoon, uh, Splinter is Hamato Yoshi. Mm. He's turned into a giant rat. Where he started out as human, he turned into a giant rat, and he raised the mutant turtles. In the movie, they're all just animals, and they get hit with the ooze. And Hamato Yoshi is uh, Splinter's owner. Okay. Uh, though I do find it very... I, I really, really love uh, when they're doing the origin story for 15 years. When they're doing the origin story in the first movie... Um, when Hamato Yoshi's practicing his ninjutsu and you see little tiny Splinter in his cage, like practicing with him, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. the cutest thing ever. It is. It God is bless really you, Jim Henson. God bless you, Jim Henson. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> I love that movie so much. It still holds up on like every level. Uh, so wonderful. they're created as a parody of Daredevil, um, the X-Men, the Teen Titans, and funny animal characters like Howard the Duck. Uh, so you kind of combine all of those and you end up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, 
and they're named after the four Renaissance painters that created in 1983. The first comic, I believe, comes out in 84. Self-published. Self-published. Um, and very, then very limited run. Yeah. Just was, regionally. And then they just sold out so quickly. Yeah, because it's it was Mirage Comics, which was I they uh, they founded it was their own yes. their own imprint yes. that was their label. Yep. Um, and that kind of led to this boom in independent comics and the popularity of these in particular. Um, from my understanding, the TV show starts in eighty seven. Uh, oh I think yeah, the, the toys came first though, right? Yes, because Playmates yeah. saw that comic book and they didn't even see Ninja Turtles, man. They just saw big old fat dollar signs. Right. And then so Playmates has got their their toy line going and uh, all they got to do in in those days when you had a popular toy line, the best way to promote it, Saturday morning cartoon. We legitimately just did a whole month about that. Um, yes, we here, did. Here on this podcast, much to your <laughs> chagrin. Um uh. But yeah, so we, um, yeah, so they, they created the cartoon in 1987 that ran until night. The original one ran until 1996. Yes, um, it there, there is actually, there was actually a tele or a TV show in production almost consistently from 87 to 2020. There were a few years off here and there, but, uh, the turtles kind of have lived and breathed on TV for, for a long, long time. So you've um, got the the eighty seven animated show. Um, after that, you had the next mutation, which was live action. That's the one where they uh, introduced Venus de Milo, you know, for girls. Which is is nice to mention because if my my solo show on the Patreon ever gets off the ground, one of the movies we're going to cover is a um a movie from the late nineties that is made by the special effects crew of the Ninja Turtles next mutation TV show. And it's this weird, stupid, disgusting little movie called the item. And I love it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's really gross. And I, I, well, I actually hate it, but I love it because of how much I hate it. Okay. Uh, But then you've got the 2003 animated turtles, Mm -hmm. which, uh, which the release of this movie kind of coincides with that, but it's a completely different property. Yeah. Um, which they cross over with the 87 Turtles in a movie called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Forever. Um, and then you got the 2012 Turtles, which also cross over with the 87 Turtles at some point, which actually I do prefer that crossover episode uh, because Turtles Forever was fun, but they they did the I mean, the 87 Turtles suck, but mm-hmm. they they did them dirty. Even so, they did them dirty. Like, they Fair. made them far more like far 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 more cartoonish than you can imagine if you can imagine that pretty hard to imagine and because of uh issues with the studios and stuff they couldn't get the original actors back so they had to have sound alikes and that kind of mm. stuff uh and then there's a, a final uh series we don't talk about rise okay um, but uh, just for the sake of continuity, there yes, is it does fi- exist. You may talk about it, I guess. <laughs> there is a final uh, Ninja Turtles series uh, that came out between 2018 and 2020 called Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which apparently we don't talk about for mm. some reason. But yeah, it sucks. Uh, and then you have the four live action films, uh, which were released in 19. 19- I total. 
Right, but well, I mean, in terms of the ones leading up to this movie, oh, um, this three then, yeah, you've got you've got the original three, which come out in nineteen ninety. When does Secret of the Use? Here we go. Nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety one, and nineteen ninety three. It's a big um, turnaround for a movie as effects heavy as those Ninja Turtle movies are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you do have two other uh, live action Turtles movies. Uh, the Michael Bay produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 2014. And then Out of the Shadows, the sequel to that one in 2016. Hot so. take. Love those movies. Both. Of yeah. Them. Have not seen that. Yeah. Yeah, the I've first one that. is is really fun, and then the second one really leans into kind of the world of the original cartoon. Right. Like, I know you get and Krang can... and Bebop and Rocksteady finally make their live-action debut. Oh, and you got Medea as Baxter Stockman as well. That one I did know, yeah. Tyler Perry. Hell yeah. He's Baxter so fun Stockman. at those. But I, I like Tyler Perry as an actor. The stuff I've seen him in, I've always liked him. So no matter what I think of the crap that he produces like as an actor that man he he does it for me sometimes all right fair enough like i i've i'm on record as really enjoying him in the film gone girl i think he gives an incredible performance holy shit yeah he's great in that movie Uh, i think maybe the best thing he's ever done he's also in vice like just doing whatever everyone else everyone else is doing in vice uh he's just hanging out on the intergalactic council in star trek it's true yeah hanging out doing his thing just sitting up just sitting up there being like hi i'm tyler perry hi it's me it's me madea's tyler perry (laughs) (laughs) oh god so i guess um tucker what is your individual history with it seems like you have quite an extensive one what is your history with the teenage mutant ninja turtles buckle up bud buckle up oh i'm buckled baby (laughs) no it's not that complicated it just goes way back uh ninja turtles was uh one of my big obsessions when i was a kid mm-hmm. um, it started out with he-man and then uh i got a little older and i started getting into ghostbusters and then when ninja turtles came out holy shit that was mm. that was the biggest thing that had ever happened the ninja turtles up to that point yeah in my life that was the biggest thing like pop culture speaking that happened mm-hmm. everybody loved the turtles yeah, they did. All the kids. I mean, even the adults love the turtles. Everybody loved the fucking turtles. Damn Skippy. Yeah. So it was just, it was everywhere. And this was kind of like the perfect time for me because this was like late elementary school for me and into middle school. Uh, Ninja Turtles is what eventually got me into comics. Um, <clears throat> I saw the first film... I won tickets from 97.1 when it used to be WENS. Mm-hmm. Uh, soft rock station in Indianapolis yep. from the 80s. I, I remember it well. I called in and it was, I don't know if it was trivia or if I had to be a certain number caller, but I called in and I won tickets to see the first Ninja Turtles movie at the um, General Cinema at Eastgate. Mm. The little tiny two theater. Yeah. No longer exists. No, so, uh, has not for a long time. I saw it there, the first movie, and it just blew my fucking mind because I had the Nintendo games and I watched the cartoon all the time, but I'd never seen Turtles like that. Mm-hmm. The movie, because they were, they were, Steven, like in the first five minutes, Raphael says, damn. I know. Fucking scandal. Ah! 
I couldn't believe it. My virgin ears. I know. I'd only heard my mom and dad say that word. <laughs> never, never on heard, television. I never heard a cartoon turtle say it in live action. Well, yeah, that movie just blew my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I saw the second one at the movie theater as well, uh, which at the time I really loved. But mm. as time has passed, I've fallen out of love with that movie because it is it is fun. But it is also it, it goes a little too far in the goofy direction. To the point to where I don't think Michelangelo ever actually takes out his nunchucks. That was one of the complaints. His parents said the first one was too violent. The first one was fucking perfect. Perfect. Bold stance. Um, but yeah, um, just like all things, you know, I've, I've remained uh, per- peripherally interested, I guess you could say, in the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. To the point to where when this movie came out, the movie we're talking about today, I, I went and saw that when it came out. Oh, right on. Um, and I got to tell you, it doesn't hold up as well as I wanted it to, mm. but I still think it's really good. Uh, it, there are there are points where the, the quality, even in the animation, seems to kind of dip a bit from time to time. Yeah. There's enough really solid shit in this movie, especially for 2007. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still have a lot of respect for this movie. Like I said, it doesn't hold up as well as I wanted it to. I haven't seen it probably in 10 years. Um, but So I was slightly disappointed when watching it, but I still found myself being like really into it and really excited at key scenes. Especially, boy, nothing beats that rooftop fight between Raph and Leo. Ooh-wee. That's just, that's just something that will never leave my memory. Like, if I get old and my mind starts to decay, that'll be the last thing that goes. <laughs> Because it looks so good, and like the the voice acting uh, is spot on, and you know it really does suck that they replaced uh, some of the original voice actors. But I will say, of the people they replaced them with, only Sarah Michelle Gellar, I don't think is is she's the only one that's not really giving too much effort. Like I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, but I don't think she was really that into this, and you could tell. Yeah, I I mean, <clears throat> Patrick Stewart, I don't think ever mails it in like he's always oh he's yeah always he was wonderful and, and i, I think thought chris really evans good. i thought chris evans was amazing because he really channels casey from the first movie mm-hmm. i want to like, i want to get into told what me that chris was elias codis and yeah i would it i would have believed it yeah because he he's got that same attitude and the same kind of swagger that casey jones in the first movie had even uh as far as like repeating some of the things that he would say, like the way that he talks to April and he's like, always oh, calling her babe and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that was very much a callback to that first film. He does I the think. two minutes for high sticking line from the original yes. film. Cricket. You gotta, you gotta know, know, know what a crumpet, what a crumpet is. is to understand cricket. Yeah. Don't tell me a Jose could say go back. Tell me <laughs> you didn't pay money for this. <laughs> god those those early late 80s early 90s jokes Holy that just shit, dude <laughs> tell me you didn't pay money for this mm-hmm. um i i think turtles was probably my very first big pop culture obsession not my biggest mm-hmm. one but like my first one for sure and i was very into the toys i had a ton of the toys and in fact ended up it in in one of my dumber moments gave away a bunch of them um when I was growing up, um, probably when I was in middle school, I just gave away a bunch of them 
uh, because I wasn't playing with them anymore and didn't really have the nostalgia for them that I probably should have. Just like, well, I'm gonna, I'm a grown up now, so I should probably get rid of these, and got rid of like all of my Ninja Turtle toys. I had like the carrying case, I had the cheapskate, I had like all the main characters, all the turtles, all like Splinter, now all out of box, of course, but Bebop, Rocksteady, um, like I, I had, I had so many uh, turtle toys. Um, it was just kind of like, if we need an idea of what to get Steven, we get him Ninja Turtles. Now that then led to Star Trek, which then led to Star Wars, which then led into comic books. So like I had a really? kind of a, it built on itself, but yeah. There was a crossover. There were Star Star Trek Ninja Turtles figures. Do you remember those? I do remember that. I, I actually had. Uh, and the Universal one. Monster ones, too. I was about to say I had Ooh, one of the wee. Universal Monster ones. I think yes. I had like um, the Wolfman one because, again, werewolves, yeah. me and werewolves. But yeah, I think well, I think of course I had it was Raph. If it was the werewolf was Raph. Probably. I'm sure. I also I mean, Raphael was also the best Ninja Turtle. I don't think anyone will dispute that ever i agree he's not my favorite but he is the best uh michelangelo was my favorite when i was younger and then as i got older it it, it segued into raf but yeah the ralph raf is the best of the turtles it's always been donatello for me i mean that tracks um i i don't know leonardo is just kind of the boring one he's like the cyclops of the group um he's the mario and mario kart he's just the balanced character exactly like, he's he's kind right of right there in the middle yeah, he's he is the 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 tether that or the the anchor that tethers the other three, um, which is kind of a boring character to write on paper, but but it's an important job. It is. We and respect you, Leo. Someone has to do it, and I'm glad he's yep. there to do it for us, keeping it keeping it real for our sins. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I I grew and I don't know when I kind of phased out on turtles. It probably would have been shortly after the third movie. I was definitely not as juiced I, I was less juiced about every consecutive film in the franchise like i loved the 1990 film had it on vhs watched it so much that my father eventually lost the tape um, <laughs> he did that with a few tapes of mine i think he ended yeah. up doing that with uh the tiny tune adventures how i spent my summer vacation as well Oh no that's such a good one I loved that one. I watched it so many times and that he got annoyed and 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 lost them. Oh no, oh, no. the <laughs> tape was ruined. Oh, no. um, I don't know where it went. <laughs> um Wow, it's gone. That's weird. Um Yeah, all that. So and and I I did. I love that movie so much that my dad had to lose it so that I would stop watching it. Um but and then the second one came out and I saw it on VHS and I was like, I mean I like that there are other mutants. I like that we get Tucka and Razor. Do I wish they were Bebop and Rocksteady? Absolutely, I do. But, you know, I wish there were more of them in the movie. Why is Vanilla Ice here? I don't understand. Um, and then the third movie, I was just kind of like, it, it, it had so little to do with the previous film that I was just very confused by the whole thing. I've um, still never seen the third movie and I refuse to. It's, I saw the trailer when I was a kid and I was like, nope, that's not for me. I had the 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 junior novelization uh, as a kid that I, and I read it at least three times when I was growing up. But like before I saw the movie, even yep. so then I saw the movie. I think I saw the third one in theaters. I think it's the only Ninja Turtles film to date that I've oh, actually seen in the poor, theaters. Poor man. And um, I, I just I was 
kind of like, I don't know what this is. And so I, I guess I was not surprised when they didn't make any more movies after that until this one, which came out 14 years later, by which point I had moved on. Like I was, I was a comic book nerd in 20, 2007. Like that's just kind of where I was. So yeah, not, not really into this movie. Did not watch it for the first time until, uh, last night in preparation for this episode so this is you'd never seen this before no it's the first time watched for me and and i actually um have never seen the michael bay produced ones either really no check those out they're definitely turn your turn your brain off and have a good time kind of movie so i mean don't go into it don't think expecting something too deep but that's a michael bay movie for you so yeah yeah Yeah. they're really fun though i have a great time with both of those movies the second one really leans into the cartoonishness and not in a, a bad way, I think, like Secret of the Use did in hindsight. Yeah, Secret of the Use is just it's it's just goofy. Now it is that was it's movie fun, was my introduction but... to David Warner, so I will always have it. To oh yeah, for that. he's he's the scientist guy. Yeah, he's the he's the geeky scientist dude. Uh, and then Most you get them about about the ooze. Yeah, you've got uh, Super Shredder in that one, who then just like dies immediately. <laughs> He just he's there and then he just dies instantly. Like I still okay. th- I think this that was one, our the threat. Second okay. one, the second one, though, it is nowhere mm-hmm. near as good as the first one is infinitely more quotable because there's so many just goofy ass lines in the second one. I'm constantly like a little too wrath. Yeah, I the, <laughs> look, it's wrath. Yeah, a little too wrath. That's a good line. There's That's just a there's. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's just the first movie was so serious and and pretty amazing. And it's like, almost like the second one is just taking the piss, you know? Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. They're just like, we're just we're just going to have a good time now because parents hated what we did in the first one. So fuck you. We're just going to fuck around and have a great time. And I hope you like it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, we're basically just going to do. Whatever we want. Um, you, you didn't like the first one cause it was too violent, whatever. Fine. We'll just, we'll just go ahead and do You know what Mikey's going to fight with sausages instead. What do you think about that? Is that better? Is that better? <laughs> you like that? You dicks. Um, Oh, you know what? My favorite one though. And I don't say this that often anymore because it's a little dated, Oh, geez. but my favorite, my favorite line from that movie is when Kino is, is hitting on those girls Mm-hmm. And the girl says, in your dreams. And he's like, yeah, when I do, I'll dream of something a little thinner. Oh, God. It's like, no, Kino, no. Kino. Do not neg that I poor mean, young woman. They were being rude. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. We'd have to, I'd have to watch it again to see who really is the aggressor in that situation. <laughs> I think they're probably both assholes. Yeah, I don't know. Just maybe, maybe just, you know, don't, don't harass women, maybe. Oh. I don't know. Oh God, yeah, that's and Kino I think is the kid from Surf Ninjas. Uh, is that a movie we could cover on this podcast? Probably. I don't know. But Kino, uh, the way that Kino got his role is he was in, he was Donatello in the suit in the first movie. Right. He was the stunt actor for Donatello in the first film. And his dad was a stunt performer as well, as I yep. recall. Yes. Uh, so yeah, like this is kind of in the family. In fact, I think his dad is in Surf Ninjas also. Probably. Um, along with Rob Schneider. Yes. That's a thing that oh, happens. How the mighty have fallen. 
Ugh. Was he ever really mighty? I don't. I don't know. Uh, there was. was a time there where I mean that that South Park parody exists for a reason, man. Because that was just how it was for a while. Rob Schneider was was everything. He was a big Rob deal. Schneider to Dirky Dur. <laughs> it's a stapler. God, I don't know. That happened, and we all let it happen. Basically, is is, is I, you know. I'll tell you what. Honestly, um, I did enjoy the uh, Deuce Bigelow films. I think Eddie Griffin had a lot, one. a lot of a lot to do with that because my boy Eddie's in that, and he's mm. hilarious. Right. And Rob Schneider and him have good chemistry in those movies, and they're not good movies, but they are funny and entertaining. At least the first one. The second one, of course, goes a little too far, but still has a little bit of the charm of the first one. Outside oh. of that, Rob Schneider can suck a fuck. Yeah, he's. I don't oh, even know that I will defend the Deuce Bigelow film. So he's the he's the weed guy at SNL though. Mm-hmm. He's the everything you you could put your weed in it. Yeah, but on the on the flip <laughs> side of that, he's also the rich meister on SNL. So yes, there's there's a dark side everywhere. <laughs> yes, Richarama. Oh God, um, what a what a what a terrible terrible sketch um i do love me some snl though even the bad sketches i love snl too that was that was one of the uh that was one of the characters that i can't believe hit like they the the 90s were weird man yeah but we didn't really have uh what with all these gas crises and global warming and you know nuclear threats and uh, fascism looming around the corner and all that we didn't have anything you know to worry about so you know uh, Rob Schneider. Rob that's that's Schneider. how you explain Rob Schneider. Like we we didn't have we didn't really need to be distracted. So like you know the world wasn't on fire yet, and he wasn't embracing the fire. So yeah, we could yeah. appreciate it. I don't know. I I was never in on Rob Schneider to the extent that other people were. I think my favorite Rob Schneider performance is Necessary Roughness, where he's basically just doing Rich Meister as an announcer for a college football team. <laughs> I think that uh, might I be my favorite of his performances. He has some uh, some good small roles in some Adam Sandler movies. Uh, he's the you can do it guy in uh, mm-hmm. The Water Boy and Little Nicky for some reason. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, there's there is there is an entire Sandler verse. Uh, uh, he was great in Demolition Man as well. I thought. Oh, future episode of this podcast, Demolition Man. He's he's also in uh, Judge Dredd. Judge future Dredd. episode of this podcast, Judge Dredd. Yeah very exciting about that yeah we're gonna we're gonna cover all, both of the Dred, judge dread movies on this podcast at some point that's a thing we're gonna do because they're never gonna make a sequel to the carl urban one they're just not and Sorry. those are unfortunately yeah and <gasps> those are the only things he's ever done those two things we just mentioned demolition man and judge dread uh it's it's <laughs> not but god Damn um it. Why would you? Why would you want to bring up any of the rest of it? Honestly, I well, not for his roles at least. There's some mm. okay movies in here, but he doesn't really have much to do with them being okay. No, in fact, I think any movie that he's in that's okay, I don't think he has anything to do with the reason why it is. I I can I can stand by that. Oh, he's in your. You love that movie that everybody hates. You don't mess with the Zohan. He's in that. I mean, it's a Sandler movie, so yeah, he's in it. Yeah. Like, I, Zohan is, I think it's an underrated Sandler film. I think that one might be one of the better ones. I, uh, you know, I've never wanted to see it until you you recently said that it was that it was funny, and now I want to check it out. 
I heard, uh, and I heard, a, I didn't want to see it either until I heard a similar, um, a similar notion put forth by my, uh, the Blink Check podcast, my, my favorite podcast. They're like, Zohan's good. And I was like, is it though? And I watched it. I'm like, no, this is pretty funny. Um, so there you go. Don't mess with the Zohan, I think is, uh, is maybe the best Sandler movie, but I hold no nostalgia for like Billy Madison and, or, uh, yeah, Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. I have, I have no nostalgia for those cause I didn't watch those as a kid. So there you go. Hey, you, you want to, you, you think we ought to go through the plot on this sucker? Uh, might as well go ahead and uh, you go ahead and, and get the uh, Canadian quarter of uh, ambivalence or whatever the hell we call it of indifference indifference. I should write this shit down. Uh, the, the lore is it's too much lore. Where's Brett when you need him? Oh, right. Tracking down monsters. Um, yeah. The plot in 60 seconds is a part of the show where we recount the plot of the film that we are discussing in 60 seconds or less at the behest of in this case, the Canadian quarter of indifference when Brett's here, it's the D six of destiny. Um, but yeah, so we're going to go ahead and Tucker's going to flip that coin. I'm going to call it and I'm going to take his word for it. Cause his camera is not working today. Yeah, and, um, and, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll recount the plot in 60 seconds or less. You got the, you got the coin ready, Tucker. I, if, if, if my camera were working, you would see that I am already prepared. To flip All right. Coin. I, and I can't see that because your camera is, not working as is established. Love it. It's great. Love, love, love everything about this day. Um, All right, I'm flipping it. Call it in the air. Here it goes. I'm gonna call heads. We have tails, sir. Fuck. All right. We got well, you, the moose. You put 60 seconds on the clock then, and I will recount the plot of TMNT in 60 seconds or less. Go ahead and give me the 30 and 10 second warnings per usual as well. All right. Whenever you start, I will start your time. Lawrence Fishburne tells us that Shredder's dead and the turtles are still around. Leonardo's in South America or Central America for some reason, uh, fighting warlords. Uh, April finds him because she's finding statues for this rich dude. She brings it back. Uh, Leo doesn't come with her, but then joins later. Um, Raphael is a dark vigilante of the night called the Night Stalker. Um, he ends up getting in a fight with Casey Jones and then in a fight with Leonardo. Uh, when Leonardo comes back, uh, the rest of the turtles reunite. Uh, Raphael quits the turtles. Uh, there's this dude named Max Winters, who's like an ancient warlord called Yautol, uh, who like was immortal for some reason because he released monsters on the earth, like a Pandora's box situation. 30 seconds. Uh, and then, so he realizes that immortality is a curse. So he's trying to track down these monsters, but in doing so, he brings back these statues, which were actually his brothers. And so they, uh, find them, capture the monsters, but they capture Leo instead because they want to remain immortal because they've Ten been seconds. frozen in rock for years. Um, they, I don't know. The turtles band together. They defeat the statue monsters. They take away the dude's immortality. And uh, the Foot Clan That's vows to return another day. Good job. That's, that's pretty that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. not too bad. I, there were probably a few minor points that I made. Yeah, and Casey, Casey Jones and April O'Neil are there too. Um, you hit the you hit the broad strokes. Yeah, so I'm, which is what the plot in '60s is all about. Like we're not getting into the nitty 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 gritty. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I did not care for this one. Um, really? Yeah, was not was not excited about this one. I mean, I was excited to see it because I'd never seen this one before, and I have again a lot of nostalgic uh, uh, feelings about the turtles. But like, I just I don't know. Like, I was just kind of like, what are like. 
it felt like a gargoyles movie that was retrofit to be a ninja turtles movie is what it felt really? like to me yeah uh, I got to tell you, when this movie came out, it kind of blew my mind. Okay. Because in 2007, this looked amazing. Mm-hmm. It does not anymore. No. Animation has aged, unfortunately, most of it pretty poorly. There's still some really solid shit in this movie that looks sure. great. But, but like on, as com- a whole... You can't compare this to, like, Across the Spider-Verse. You just can't. No, no, no. Or even the new Turtle movie that's coming out. Right, which which Cannot also looks to see that. fucking insane. Yes. Ice Cube, man, as the main villain, you know I'm there. Day Absolutely. One. Hannibal Burris, like you got a great cast on this new one. All Rudd up in this bitch. Even the Deb Malone guy. I'm not sure if it's before or after Malone, but he's it's, there, man. It's after. It's it's a post Malone. I gotcha. Okay. It's a post Malone world we just live in at. Yeah, dude. Um, but yeah, oh, no, and the, I, I watched, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but, uh, speaking of that new one coming out, I watched a featurette on YouTube, um, talking with the young people who play the turtles and they're all just kids, man. Yeah, like between the tell. ages of like 13 and 17. And, uh, they were talking to Seth Rogen about the process of, of having them, you know, have really great chemistry and they just kind of threw them together for a couple weeks and had mm-hmm. them hang out and then it had them record with each other like a lot a lot of times especially nowadays everybody just kind of does their part separately right. and they just throw it all in there you don't get a lot of people standing in a room you know reacting off of each other anymore agreed and so it to shows have, <clears throat> mm-hmm. so to have that for those kids of uh, that was it's it's a really great little video. I, it looks like those kids are having a blast. It does, and yeah. uh, it said a lot of the dialogue um, was improvised mm-hmm. or you know changed slightly just because like those kids had sort of over those couple weeks sort of kind of gained a, a a back and forth with each other, a rapport. Yeah, yep, and to sort of fit the chemistry of that, like they changed some of the dialogue. It's it's, I'm really excited about this movie because it just seems like everybody's it, who's involved with it is just really into trying to make the best possible thing. And the cast, uh, look, the cast looks great. Io Debre, Rose Byrne, uh, Natasha Demetrio, Jackie Chan, Seth Rogen, John Cena, Seth Rogen and John Cena as Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> I'm way okay. into that. Yes. Paul Rudd, Giancarlo Esposito, Maya Rudolph, Ice Cube. Uh, Post Malone, Hannibal Burris, and then the actors playing the Turtles, Nicholas Contu, Brady Noon, uh, Micah Abbey, and Shimon Brown Jr. Like, just, God, what a what a, what a a voice cast on this. Like, I kind of want to see it just for the voice cast alone. You know it's going to be good. I need to catch Barbie and Oppenheimer first, but, like, it's 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 next on the list after those. So Apparently, uh, Trent Reznor did the music for this new Ninja Turtles movie. I mean, I he's... No idea. He's uh he's 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 doing scores now. He does he's pretty much every Fincher score. Music. Yeah. Well, right. he doesn't feel like he doesn't. I read an article a couple of weeks ago where he says that Nine Inch Nails doesn't really for him doesn't fit into the landscape of today's popular music. That's why he doesn't do any Nine Inch Nails stuff. So mm. that's cool, man. Keep doing scores because they're all great. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Atticus Ross like just teaming up and and just knocking out some really great scores like. Yeah, I, is has he won an Oscar yet? I feel like um, 
I've, he's yes, he's won two Oscars. I believe it. Because uh, he is so Academy Award winning uh, composer Trent Reznor. Um, and hell go. of a musician and hell of a guy. This dude, I don't know if he still has it, but the Nine Inch Nails website used to have all of the individual audio files from every track from every one of his songs. Mm. And he encouraged you to download them and make new stuff with them, remix his songs. Just use that stuff to your heart's content creatively. And I, I really think that's admirable for someone who doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. Right. I agree. But I, by I, doing that, like he's he's helping people uh, learn music production, helping people, you know, improve their knowledge of music theory. Uh, and I just think that's really cool that he does yeah. that kind of stuff. You, you're you're allowing artists to create art because everyone needs to start, be able to start somewhere. Uh, and if you can help someone get a leg up, then why wouldn't you want to do that? Like, that's that's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, Trent Reznor, good for you, man. We love you, Trent. You, you the man, Trent. Um, but yeah, so that's the oh, new the man one. now, Trent. We're... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> because We're... it's the fun thing to do. Is it? We're talking yeah. 2007's TMNT, which they... We'll, we'll get to the the sequel possibilities later. I do want to talk uh, where Chris Evans is at, because Chris Evans is at the beginning of his really weird superhero run that he does in in the, oh, he, the early 2000s. He did, he, we're going to talk about that that low-key superhero movie he did. Uh, I, uh, Julie really likes that movie. What was that? Push? Well, the Losers. No, oh, the, the Losers. Losers. We have already talked about The Losers. We have a previous episode on The Losers. Um, but it starts in 2005. He's cast as Johnny Storm in the Tim Story Fantastic Four movie. Oh, yeah. Two years later, he does this. And then the same year this comes out, he's in the sequel to that Fantastic Four movie, Rise of the Silver Surfer, also directed by Tim Story, also featuring Lawrence Fishburne. So there are two 2007 films with Chris Evans and Lawrence Fishburne uh, based Fish. on comic book properties. Um, and then you've got Push in 2009, The Losers in 2010, also in 2010, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It and all then, culminates in his performance in Scott Pilgrim. And then in, in 2011, the next year, Captain oh. America, the first Avenger. There it is. And then, of course, the Avengers in 2012, which kicks off his massively popular MCU run, which then culminates in Avengers Endgame in 2019. Uh, Captain America, the first adventure, or as I like to call it, Marvel Studios presents the Rocketeer. Yeah, pretty. I mean, down to the director, <laughs> Joe Johnston. Yep. That's, you know, that's how he got that job. I, I would not be in any way surprised by that. I was actually very, very disappointed that we didn't get some kind of like even just a name drop cameo like Cliff Secord or something. Well, you probably or maybe we just saw the BG flying in the background somewhere. I was... That would I would have shit my pants. I don't know if Disney Studios actually was in charge of Marvel at that point. Like I don't no, they know weren't. when that sale they were went not. out, so they they probably could not have done so. I think uh, it wasn't no, until Captain America. I believe was they were still doing stuff with Paramount at that but, point. I believe. I, I think Avengers was the first yeah, film under the Disney deal. Yeah. If you look at the Captain America poster, it is. Uh, Marvel and Paramount put that yeah. out. So that tracks. Uh, so, which yeah. uh, they uh, all the early MCU movies were Paramount, except for the Hulk, because Universal still owned the rights to the Hulk. 
and still do, which is why yep. there has not been and probably will not be a Incredible Hulk movie, solo movie with Mark Ruffalo as the star. That's just probably not going to happen. I think we'll get a, a World War Hulk or Planet Hulk, possibly. Nope. Especially with the uh, Ragnarok already happened. I don't want to. We're, we're not uh, going to. I'm just saying, I think we're we're going to get something, but I think it's going to be an ensemble movie. Kind of like, you know how Civil War is technically a Captain America movie? Right, but then it's, it'll be it's like actually it'll Avengers be like, 2.5 or whatever. Yeah, it'll be like the Hulk plus everybody else. I think they're going to end up doing like a Young Avengers thing, uh, and I think he will be the Hulkling stand-in. Um, because, uh, there's one episode left in secret invasion and we are no closer to seeing Hulkling actually show up. Uh, uh I'm just going to say, you know, he does, I don't want to spoil anything, but he does exist in the MCU. The Hulkling does? Hulk's son does. Oh, no, I know. We've, I mean, yeah, that's, no, that's what I'm talking about. Like, okay, okay, okay. I mean, but we've got all the other young Avengers stand, like we've got, uh, Kamala Khan, we've got. Um, Wanda's kids. We've got Wanda's kids. We've got sort Isaiah, Isaiah Brad, uh, Elijah Bradley from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, Ironheart. We we have Riri Williams now. Like we we've got all these character uh, stature. Um, mm-hmm. Scott Lang's daughter. Like all these characters are in there. Haley Steinfeld's Hawkeye. Like we all don't these have Baby are, Kang, but we could very easily have Baby Kang. I was gonna say it. He's in there now, so yeah, absolutely. When we'll probably need to recast him soon. Um, I, don't, I don't remember what Baby Kang's name is. I just always call him Baby Kang. Iron Lad is what they call him. There you go. Yeah, there it is. But Baby um, Kang. but yeah, they're they're all kind of there in the background. So it wouldn't be surprising if instead of just a Hulk movie, we just get him as part of the Young Avengers roster. Also, we've got um. We've got Miss Marvel as well, who um, she's Kamala Khan. Yeah, I said her. She's been hinted at as possibly being a mutant. Right. That was kind of a, a big thing in the series as they kept kind of throwing that term around all loosey goosey. Mm-hmm. Whereas everyone in the know was like, you be careful. Be careful mm-hmm. saying that shit. Yeah, you can't. If just... you don't follow if you don't follow through on that, we all going to be mad. We're going to be mad. We'll be real mad. Real, real mad. Um. The uh, and then Sarah Michelle Geller, you have her as uh, April O'Neil coming off of the grudge too, um, for for that yeah. one, yeah. And then prior to that, uh, she was coming off the Scooby Doo movies, which was Scooby Doo was her coming off of Buffy, so like mm-hmm. she's got kind of these three big franchises, boom, 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 right in a row, and then kind of takes a big old step back. Well, I think that's uh, when her and Freddie Prinze got married and started having kids, man. And they both kind of took a big step back, I feel like. I mean, she's here's the thing. She's in stuff, but it's nothing that I think any of us have seen. Um, She just she she she's she's doing things. I mean, she's working uh, in 2007. She also has a movie called Suburban Girl, another one called The Air That I Breathe. Veronica Deserves to Die in Possession in 2009. Uh, she starts doing some TV work in 2010, video game voiceover work in 2010, 2011. I mean, she's kicking around doing, she's on All My Children for 60 episodes, apparently. Nice. Like, so she's working, she's just not doing anything that I think we would have known about um, during that yeah. during that span of time. And it looks like, I mean, she did a, a little bit of producing here and there over mm-hmm. the years as well. But outside of that, 
I think, I don't know, I think after Buffy and her big popularity explosion, I feel like, to me, it seemed like kind of a self-imposed exile. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I think she kind of wanted to step back and, you know, raise a family and shit. Like, you don't and see Freddie Prince Jr. doing anything after Scooby-Doo. He does a lot of voice work. Like, he's in, like, I think a lot of those Star Wars shows. Yeah. Um, and then he also does, um, he, he also is really involved in professional wrestling, actually. Oh, I had no idea. That's crazy. Yeah, like, he's, he's like, a, I think he's a producer. I'm going to look this up real quick. Him and Chucky, you never would have thought, right? <laughs> I think he's, like, a producer on, like, some wrestling stuff or something. I don't know. Every time... No, he's a writer. a Chucky movie comes out, he's all over the wrestling shows. From 2008 to 2009, so there for the span of, like, two years, he was a writer on WWE SmackDown and WWE's main event. I gotta say, that's kind of rad. He wrote 26 episodes. He's credited on 26 episodes of WWE SmackDown. So, like, Fuck that's that. a thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm a way into that, that good for did. him man when you can just sit back and like input creatively without having to you know like be there and be in front of a camera and perform and get ready and all this shit like, mm-hmm. like good job man and he i mean he 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 does he's in he's in a lot of the star wars stuff uh star wars rebels the bad batch like he's i he did this great defense of uh or this great uh takedown of toxic star wars fans on a podcast that's kind of made its round on tiktok several times about how people don't understand the force how no one understands the force and like great why gray jedis are such a shitty idea and what balance actually means and all like all this shit and he goes i know it because dave filoni told me he knows it because george lucas told him so shut the fuck up like (laughs) he's just really Matter of fact, and I'm just like, God, Freddie Prince Jr., I love you. You are all of us. Um, well, I've always I've always had massive respect for both of them, both him and Sarah Michelle Gellar. I they mean, always it, seem they always seem very personable and they always seem like such a great couple, kind of like a Hollywood power couple. Honestly. Yeah, without the power, really, like maybe they had it, I think, when they first got together. But like they, they've kind of taken a step back and realized, hey, there are probably more important things than a Hollywood career. Um, and I mean, they keep working. They're still working. They're still doing. Well, shit. and they've both they've both done things that they will be living off the res- residuals of for the rest of their lives. They don't have to work ever again, probably. Probably honestly. Not. Between the Scooby Doo movies and Buffy, like Sarah's pretty well set, and even uh, shit like she's all that, you know. Mm-hmm. And Freddie's in in the Scooby Doo movies as well. I know what you did last summer. Freddie's in those. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, he's 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 doing okay. So good for him. Good for both of them, actually. Um, Agreed. And then, what do you think about uh, Patrick Stewart as the uh, the the guy you think is the villain, and then turns out, surprise, he's actually not. Uh, I thought <laughs> that his performance was really good. It was kind of weird because usually I can separate the vocal performance with the uh, design of the character on screen, mm-hmm. but just hearing Patrick Stewart and mm. seeing like a young looking buff dude with hair. Mm-hmm. It's just a little weird. It is. Yeah. He's great in it though. He's great. And I would say separate from Patrick Stewart being great in this film, the character design of winters is amazing. It's just mm-hmm. putting the two together. It's just a little, it's just a little weird. It's, it is. It's weird. It's weird. Um, Sometimes you get wrapped up in it and you forget. But then you remember, you're like, oh, shit, that's still Patrick Stewart. And this is the still weird. Th- the thing I like about the design is that it's 
because he's a, he's supposed to be an uh, an immortal. So he's an old man in a, the body of a of a man who hasn't aged since that day. Yeah. Um, so it that the fact that it's Patrick Stewart gives you the gravitas and the wisdom of a guy who's been around forever. Yeah. And then, but in the body of just you know like Xanatos from from Gargoyles. Like I swear this movie is just like uh, it's a Gargoyles movie, but with turtles instead of gargoyles. Maybe it's just what it feels like to me. Um, like it, it feels very gargoyles. It doesn't I don't really it doesn't... have much of a frame of reference. Unfortunately, gargoyles it... was uh, right at the edge of like me being over Saturday morning cartoons. That, I mean, that's fair. It's all on Disney just plus though. Me. So you should absolutely go just back and re- rewatch those. So I'm just saying, definitely go back and rewatch those because pretty good. Some, I've some, heard. some good serialized storytelling there for sure. That is what I've heard. I think that um, they kind of wasted a cameo with Kevin Smith, honestly. Agreed. Because it's mostly just him grunting and screaming. And I mean, you get Kevin Fourth Smith. Fourth build a, in this movie, too, by the way. As a voice actor, I mean, you get Kevin Smith, you use Kevin Smith. Mm hmm. It just it just seemed like such a waste. It was cool at the time because he wasn't. I remember thinking it was cool at the time because he wasn't really doing much stuff like that. Let Let's look at what Kevin Smith's doing around this time as, as oh, in terms of I an mention, actor. Can I mention that weird movie he was in where he was the sick friend of Jennifer Garner? <laughs> Please. That was that that was like his. I feel like that was his. Um, his Oscar bid there, and he was really good in that movie. What was that movie called? That movie was called. I think it's funny Catch too. Catch and release. Yes, yes. I think it's funny too that the relationship of his character to Jennifer Garner in that film, because if you know anything about his relationship with Ben Affleck at the time, you know that Jennifer Garner fucking hated kevin smith i believe it like she's pretty much the reason that they kind of stopped being friends there for a while okay she was like i don't like this fucking dude like yeah um he's good in that movie too they're both good in that movie that's low-key like it's a pretty good like sunday morning movie or sunday afternoon movie yeah i've never seen it um so as an actor kevin smith starts in the same place he directs he's basically silent bob for the first like several years of his career from 94 until 2000 whenever he's credited on screen it's as silent bob i think the one exception is a a 1999 thing called big helium dog where he plays a director uh, a brian lynch film but uh, he's not he's not silly bob in that one no but beyond that he is silent bob and literally everything else and most of those are either his movies like that he directed or movies that he uh produced through view askew like drawing flies uh which was uh i think jeff anderson's movie no no you're thinking of now you know that's what i'm thinking yeah matthew gissing and uh, malcolm ingram uh starring jason lee but that is a view askew production that he is in as silent Bob. So, and credited as silent Bob in that movie as well. Silent Bob, uh, a character that also exists in the Degrassi universe. Mm-hmm. 
and in yep. Wes Craven's Screamiverse. As well. Right. So one of those one of those per one of those um, credits was Scream two thousand Scream three, uh, and then he is uh, also in uh, the Degrassi show as Silent Bob Jay and Silent Bob do Degrassi. I think. I think um, he's he is Silent Bob and he's Kevin Smith. Okay. In that, in that show. I guess that's not terribly surprising. Because yeah, they both exist. Kind of like in Clerks 3, or no, uh, not Clerks 3, in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, they both exist in the same continuity. Silent Bob and Kevin Smith. I don't think that happens until 2005, but he comes back several times uh, to Degrassi because he is apparently a fan of Degrassi, uh, as mentioned in, uh, I think, Chasing Amy. Um, he mentions his, uh, one. I think Banky mentions his love of Degrassi and Ben Affleck says, you've got a weird thing for Canadian melodrama. And he says, I got a weird things for chicks that say a boot, um, <laughs> which is a line that always kind of sticks with me, but he plays. You know what Silent... line sticks with me from that movie? Oh God. What? What's a Nubian? What's a, that's. <laughs> um, yeah. Jason Lee. It's just, just a treasure. A treasure of a man. Love that uh, man. Uh, he's a Famous Scientologist. Skateboarder, yeah. Jason Lee. Sci- Scientologist Jason Lee. Um, but yeah, goes on to play Silent Bob many more times, uh, but then starts to pop up in other movies. He's in Now You Know. He's in. He is in Daredevil as the mm-hmm. as Jack Kirby forensic assistant. Um, he has cameos in Duck Dodgers and Yes, Dear. Uh, Live the show free Joey. or die hard. We're getting where, there. We're getting oh, there. Um, it, Veronica Mars. Um, so he's doing a lot of TV. And then he starts showing up in other 2006. You've got Dougal and Southland Tales, as well as Clerks 2, where he comes back as Silent Bob. Also in 2006, you've got Catch and Release, um, and then, which is the movie he does immediately before this one. And then later in 2007, he also does... He does live free or die hard where him and Bruce Willis famously got along so well mm-hmm. that he agreed to be in Kevin Smith's next movie. Uh, Cop out. Which did not go how either of them expected it to. No. Well, Bruce Willis is the kind of, from what I understand, Bruce Willis is the kind of actor who will show up on set and grill the director or was, I guess, because he's, um, he's, he's got his, his condition now, which had pretty much taken him out of being able to perform in any way unfortunately uh, unfortunately um but he he's the kind of guy who would show up on set and basically quiz the director about like lenses and, and different aspects of filmmaking shot shot composition stuff like that because bruce willis is a professional actor who knows his shit uh kevin smith famously a director who does not know much about the actual process of filmmaking because he famously dropped out of famously yes. dropped out of film school um which is why his movies are technically not great uh the things that made his early films stand out to the extent that they did was the dialogue was the writing was really sharp um and that kind of dulled i think as he got a little older i think he tended he he kind of started to rest on his laurels a little bit as he got as he got along um and something so now I can say something i will say about kevin smith though is that he's very self-aware and he would probably agree with you probably um, I think, and I, I don't think the weed helped, honestly. Um, but he, uh, but yeah, and I think he he will be the first one to say, no, I don't know anything about 
I mean, he goes, I've made a few movies and stuff, but like, I'm not like a, like a proficient, like great technical filmmaker. Um, cause he's not like, he can't claim that cause his films all like, if he's got a good DP working with him and like helping him, I think they can be better. Um, but like, it's, and to be fair, Dave Klein has, has improved with each film, right. From just setting the camera in one spot for 10 minutes and clerks to some of the shit you get in dogma, man. Dogma looks fantastic. Is like for a Kevin Smith movie. Right. It looks fantastic. Is that the same DP? Yeah. Dave Klein has done everything for him up to that point. I think except for maybe Jersey girl. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I um, yeah, Kevin Kevin Smith, uh, and again, some of his later films, pretty pretty good, pretty solid. Um, uh, Red State in particular is the one that I like of his. Um, I think might be his best movie. Um, but also really like Chasing Amy. That was kind of one that a lot. Of, I, I don't know that Chasing Amy has aged particularly well. Uh, cinematographer me, yeah. cinematographer on Dogma was Bob, uh, Robert Yeoman. Yeah, I saw was, that. Was not Dave Klein. Uh, that's the guy who was cinematographer on. Uh, he's a he's a Wes Craven cinematographer. Wes Craven guy. Nice. Did uh, Asteroid City, French Dispatch, Grand Budapest, 2016 Ghostbusters. So yeah, different different guy. Well, I think that may be one of the only films for that Kevin Smith has done that Dave Klein did not do because he did Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy. Uh, he did Clerks too, so he took a break for Dogma and Jay and Silent Bob. Okay, came back for Clerks too, and then and sticks Jersey with Girl. him even even when um, he directed the pilot for Reaper, which is an amazing show that everybody should watch. That I mentioned on our Tucker and Dale episode because mm-hmm. Tyler Labine is one of the main characters. Uh, let's see, he shot Zach and Miri, he shot Cop Out, shot Red State. Uh, and it looks like that was the last thing that he did for, oh, he shot Deadwood the movie. Good he job, also Dave did uh, some episodes of Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian as well. Yeah, but Deadwood, though. I, I know you like Deadwood. <laughs> I love Deadwood. I'm just saying he, he did a <clears throat> couple other shows that, that maybe some of our listeners have watched and enjoyed. Acknowledged, 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 acknowledged. Why are we going on this big, long thing about Kevin Smith? Because he's in this movie. I guess and so. I, and he's interesting. He's fun to talk about. I mean, there's just endless facts to talk about. But basically, I say all that to say that there's a there's this period of time in the the mid to late 2000s where we're like, maybe Kevin Smith is an actor. And it kind of ends this year in 2007. Like he has like, a, I think a few cameos after that. But I think it, at that point, he's kind of like, I, I mean, I'll come maybe come in and do some cameos here and there. But like, I think he kind of switches off and he does consistently have cameos and shit small roles and things but uh, But i think it's too bad because i think uh especially in catch and release i mean he's he's a pretty talented actor um i just think that maybe i don't know i think he's he's too he's too antsy just to act you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like he 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 has to he has to do more he seems like that type of guy where like acting just wouldn't be enough for him i think that's why catch and release is like the only film where he's a main character in the entire movie that he didn't direct. He, and I think he's a, I I think he's a filmmaker first and foremost. And I think part of the reason why 
I think part of him always kind of wanted to be an actor, which is why he's in Clerks at all. I think he was originally supposed to play Randall in Clerks, as I yes, recall. That's why Randall has all the, the cool lines. lines. Yeah. Right. So, and, but then he realized I can't do all of this if I'm also going to be directing. And so he casts Jeff Anderson, moves into the, the silent Bob role, which was, I think a lot easier for him. Um, it was a good choice too. I agree. He kind of embodies that, but then like, just as Jay and Silent Bob are his Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, he comes back and plays that role a lot of times, and he's very expressive in that role. And they give him gradually more and more to do with each subsequent VSQ movie. So yeah, you can see, and and if it's a Harvey Weinstein vehicle, you can see Harvey being like, "Ah, Kevin's good. You can put him in shit." And this is a Harvey Weinstein vehicle, so you can you can probably say maybe Harvey had something to do with the fact that Kevin Smith is the diner cook in this movie. Maybe. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Smith was one of one of Harvey's golden boys back then. Him and, and Quentin Tarantino Quentin, and Robert, Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yep, those were the that's the trifecta right there. Uh, there were there were others in that in that group as well, but those were the big three for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, we should uh, mention that the actor cast as uh, Splinter, um, Mako Iwamatsu. Uh, yeah, dude. Was he was announced at Comic Con? Uh, first of all, that guy has been acting since like the late fifties. So that's and a, a he's in that spans, like, 60 years. Look at a picture of him and you'll be like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, he's a hundred, he is a hundred percent of that guy actor. Uh, he's announced at Comic-Con uh, and then passes away the day after Comic-Con, literally the day after that announcement is made, he dies. Um, he's recorded most of his dialogue, but not all of his dialogue he is um, replaced. I think the actor Greg Baldwin is the one that comes in and does a lot of his um, cleanup work. A lot of the work he wasn't able to do because he had passed away uh, before ma- before this movie was finished. Like, so they do get a sound alike there, which the director says I probably should have just recast the role because no one can sound exactly like Mako. So, yeah. But yeah, like yeah, I, again, right. he's like a prolific actor. He's been in everything from Conan the Barbarian to Pearl Harbor. Like, I mean, he did a lot of TV in his early career too. The guy's been doing stuff since the fifties. <clears throat> but yeah, this is his last theatrically released film. He's in a, he's in another two thousand seven. Uh, I think uh, must have been a direct to DVD or maybe a movie called Rise blood hunter starring lucy Liu and michael chiklis oh uh, you know was that directed to video i don't know i've just everything online that i've read says that the that tmnt is his last theatrically released film this is his last live action film but yeah apparently it's a vampire movie is that a movie we could cover on this podcast I don't know, but it's produced by Ghost House Pictures, so Sam Raimi had something to do with it. There you go. There you go. Lucy Liu, Michael Chiklis, Carla Gugino. I love Carla Gugino. Robert Forster. This looks like a shitty movie, though. It really does, though. Holt McElhaney is in there. I feel like this was... God, what a weird... What a... <laughs> Mid-2000s, what a weird time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a point to where, like... Uh, people were studios were just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks because there wasn't really like 
it was a very weird time where there wasn't anything that was like super popular. Everything had kind of leveled out. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you've also got Z uh, Zhang in this movie as well uh, from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Memoirs of a Geisha. Um, oh, yeah. She's the voice of the, the Foot Clan lady. She's great. She's so good in this movie. Um, and I like her in just about every other thing I've seen her in, even the bad stuff like Cloverfield Paradox. Um, like, she's just great. And I love it when she shows up in things. I love it when we give Zhang work. Please keep giving her work. She's a Agreed. delight. Um, and I honestly, I'm kind of mad that we didn't get a sequel to this just because I wanted, I would have wanted her to get more work uh, out of it. Um, I'd love to see what she's, what she's planning with the Foot Clan, man. Like that, well, that was a, when I saw that at the movie theater, I was like, all right, let's go. Number two, a couple you, years, here it comes. Would you like to know what the Foot Clan was planning, Tucker? Yes, please tell me. Because we have some notes as to what the director wanted the sequels to be. He had legitimately like full ideas for two sequels off of this. Uh, the sequel, um, he, he said in 2007, he had the idea in mind for a sequel would have been loosely based on the comic book arc uh, city at war. Oh, and so Michelangelo would have kind of felt rejected, dejected, and would have joined the foot clan sporting a black bandana. Uh, and then the turtles would then have gone to Japan where uh, they would have crossed paths with Karai, Zhang's character, and a resurrected Shredder. Shredder. So Shredder would have come back. And then the third movie would have introduced the uh, Triceratons. Yeah. And we wanted Michael Clark Duncan to voice Commander Mozar of the Triceratons. Okay, okay. I'm into that. I also am into that. And then that would have also featured the arrival of the Technodrome from Dimension hey, X. Dimension X. Um, and uh, eventually, I think those fell off for two reasons. One, um, the director ended up leaving uh, Imagi, Imagi uh, Studios, the, the studio that put this on. Um, and then the studio stopped really doing well. Uh, their, their 2009 feature, future episode of this podcast, Astro Boy, uh, ended up bombing and the, the company Wait, the went bankrupt. The Astro Boy? Yes. There's How do you bomb with Astro Boy? Uh, it's America, and Astro Boy has apparently never been as big in America. What? So. Every, but everybody in America knows who Astro Boy is. Astro Boy was like one of the first things that I can remember that was ever localized for the United States. You got black and white Astro Boy localized for the United States. Like I'm just saying, wild. man, it didn't it didn't do well. It I it, remember that coming out, but I, I just I still can't believe it didn't do any business i mean that's you, just you, ridiculous you didn't see it though that's the problem i didn't know that and no <laughs> one else true. did either so okay. um so so basically the studio kind of fell out um laird said that you know maybe we do a, a live action cgi hybrid we've got the turtles in cg we've got sarah michelle geller and chris evans come back and play the same roles uh, and that concept would end up becoming the Michael Bay films from 2016. And Which I'm glad they waited because CG was not ready. It would have looked like garbage. Yeah, it would not have been would not have been good. Um, get me get me Jim Hansen's creature shot back and then we can talk. So I think those ideas for sequels are good. I like those ideas for sequels. I, I agree. There's a part of me that kind of wants to have seen what those would have been, but uh, I, I, which is again another reason why I would consider this more of a. I, I, 
I guess maybe I'll concede, maybe not full spin up, maybe reboot cool, perhaps. Yeah. Um, like you're, you're just kind of rebooting the franchise, but it technically may be a sequel kind of a thing. Um, but it, I don't know. I, it feels because they were trying to sequelize it as its own kind of separate offshoot franchise. I think we're good to cover it here. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think that, um, if anything, uh, in, to, to describe it in a way, in a pop culture way that people of today's audience will understand, it's like this is just a slight variation in the multiverse of the live-action Turtles timeline. So not exactly a sequel, just kind of a reimagining of what happened after those three movies in a slightly different parallel universe. That works. I'm I'm kind of waiting for Nickelodeon who owns the turtles now. I'm kind of waiting for them to do like an into the turtleverse kind of thing. I'm here for I mean they've done it before. Like I said with the uh, the 2003 turtles that crossed over with the 2000 or the 87 ones and the right. 2012 ones did the same. Just getting as many of the actors from those different variations and and yes. back as you possibly can. I mean Corey Feldman's not doing anything. You can bring him back to voice A Donatello. Um Chevy Nova. Excellent. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, he was good. I think he was great as Donatello. I agree. He only did it for the one film, though, which is kind of a bummer. No, he did it for the third one. He came back for the third one. Oh, did he come back for the third one? Okay. All right. He sure did. Unfortunately, I mean, we could have just had him for the second one. That would have been fucking great. Thanks, Corey Feldman. What were you even doing? Yeah, I don't know, man. But yeah, there, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that's, we talked about it. Anything else? U-R-T-L-E power. T-U-R-T-L-E power Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, dude, I had that soundtrack too. I I so in the in the in the college days when when music downloading and piracy was was totally a thing, um, there may or may not have been a time when 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 someone I know uh discovered uh that they could download that song off of the internet. And someone I know might have had it so your friend your friend had it my my friend i'm doing i'm doing a visual gag by winking at tucker but yeah you that's guys true that's the thing he's doing you can't see that so I just well, did we it must again. describe it to you just did it again um but yeah that is that is our episode anything else you have to say on tmnt um before i move into the box office I, like if, i say if brett I were wish, here where there would be a video game corner but he's not here so there's not because a video there game there was a, there were a couple games based specifically on this film one of which being a nintendo wii game that i remember sucking really hard maybe we can talk brett into doing an oops all video game corner episode on <gasps> just ninja turtle games um text him steven let's text I, him I, I will but steven that's going to be a long episode. I'm going to have visual aids um, because I Are am we going to have to release the video for that on Patreon. I I'm sitting here looking at two of the three, two of the four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games released on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Just okay. sitting there right on my shelf. There you go. Just hanging out. So I maybe maybe that's something we should do for for yes, the month of please. August on the for Patreon. Any month, I don't care. Let's do TMNT video game corner. I'm way into it. Okay. I know it's Brett's video game corner, but that day it will be our video game corner. I mean, look, I'm sure he's willing to share with you. Oh yeah. 
So yeah, let's we'll we'll text him about that and see if that's something he'd be willing to to help spearhead with you. Um, but my final thoughts on this film yeah. would be that I am I'm a little disappointed that it didn't hold up as well as I remember because when I saw this at the movie theater, I nearly shit my pants. This movie was so amazing. And I would have been 25 mm-hmm. when this came out. Yeah, old and man. Like I said, I've never I've I've never really stopped liking the turtles, but they've gotten more in the periphery than sure. out in front, you know. I'm still Culturally always down as well. Let's be honest. Like they're still yeah. kind of around, but they're not like as front and center as they were in the late 80s early 90s. Like I've dipped into every series and mm-hmm. every film that's been made since 1987. I have dipped into it and really the only thing I haven't liked was uh the rise. I thought 2012 Turtles that show is perfect. Okay. Like once you the character designs are a little off-putting at first, but once you get into it and you get used to it, it's I think 2012 Nickelodeon Turtles series is mm-hmm. probably the ultimate, like the peak version of the Turtles because it's everything that's great about every other version put into something that's also still like completely original. And I recommend it to anybody that's even the slightest fan of the Ninja Turtles. Give it three episodes and uh, see if you don't like it, because it's it's really, really good. It's really well written. The voice cast is amazing, even though they change Leos like every season. As you do. Like you do. As is tradition with these sorts of things. <laughs> in, in accordance with scripture. Yes, in accordance with Ninja Turtle law. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, like I, this one, I wasn't as invested in, maybe it was the fact that I was watching it, you know, like late at night, maybe it was the fact that I, um, haven't really engaged with anything turtle related since maybe the mid nineties really. Um, but yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great for me. I didn't, I wasn't, it didn't grab me. So, um, but, you know, Ninja Turtles are great. Maybe I should watch those Michael Bay movies. And uh, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Check out that 2012 series, man. I'm telling you, dude. Uh, look at the voice cast on that one. Just, can we just sidebar and look at the, the voice cast on the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Well, let me hang on. Let me, let me find. I think, I think once you see this voice cast, you will be like, oh, yes, I probably should. Um, let me see Jason Biggs, Rob Paulson, Sean Astin, and Greg Sipes, Seth Green, Nolan North, Kelly Hugh, Clancy Motherfucking Brown. I do love Clancy Bill Lamar Brown. as Baxter Stockman, Mae Whitman as April O'Neill, Josh yes. Peck as Casey Jones. Mm-hmm. I think they get the voices of the original, tur- like Corey Feldman plays Slash. Yep. Yeah, they get they get everybody in there at some point. Frank Welker, of course, the ubiquitous JB Smooth Welker. is Bebop. My D boy JB Smooth. D. Bradley Baker's in there. Dietrich Bader is Bigfoot. Michael Dorn, straight up um uh Wharf is up in this motherfucker. Tom nice. Kenny's up in this motherfucker. John Heater, Maurice LaMarche, Kevin Michael Richardson, uh playing Keith the David. Punk Frogs. Did you already mention Keith David? Because I have Keith not. David. Um Gilbert Gottfried, Roseanne Barley. Jeffrey Combs, my boy Jeffrey Combs. I Jim, forgot he was the Rat King. Jim Piddick, like David Tennant, plays Mark the Fugitoid. Mm-hmm. Like Ron okay. Perlman, Danny Trejo, Lewis Black, 
uh, John DiMaggio himself. I'm sure I mean, Dietrich Bader, you already said John Heater, Robert England, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Urban himself. I'm telling you, man, Lance Henriksen, everybody's I, in this pitch. Bill Mosley, Frank Welker, your boy Frank Welker, my boy Frank Lucy Welker. Lawless, Michael Ironside, Charlie Murphy. I, we could go on all day. This list goes on forever. And Roseanne the writing... Barr is the voice of Krang. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, she's really great, actually. That's, uh, that's insane to me. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's it's just really good. I recommend it to anyone who has even the slightest interest in the Ninja Turtles because it is, for me, it is the definitive version, the culmination of all the good parts of every version we had seen up to that point okay. into just one perfect show. Okay. Well, right on that. What a, what a, what a cast. Uh, TMNT comes out on March 23rd, 2007 opens at number one at the box office to $24.3 million on its way to 54.1 million domestic, another 42 million uh, international for a grand total of 96 million worldwide. Not, not a great multiplier. Um, so again, probably also if it had done better, we might've seen some of those sequels, but it did not. Um, in second place in its third weekend down from number two, the week before is Zack Snyder's 300. Uh, in third place, the Mark Wahlberg uh, war movie, the first of many, uh, a little movie called Shooter. What if there was a shooter? Hey, Shooter. Hey, hey, Shooter. How's your... How's, how's your mother? Say how's your mother for me. How's your mother for me? Is that is that a Peter Berg film? I'm gonna now I'm gonna look and see if that's a Peter because he does a lot of movies with Peter Berg. Um, no, that is Anton Fuqua. Don't shoot me. How's it going? Don't shoot me. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot you instead. Say how do you mother for me? In how do you mother for me? <laughs> uh, in fourth place, um, the Walt Becker film Wild Hogs. Okay. <laughs> uh tim allen martin lawrence uh william yeah. h macy what if they all rode motorcycles john what travolta is, is he in that one mm. too what a cast what a god what a that's a thing that happened and 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 we all let and it they made a sequel to it i'm pretty sure did they really i think so oh my god yeah john travolta's in that one as well ray Liotta, marissa tomei MC Ganey, Stephen Tobolowski. God, no, they did not make a sequel. Why did I think there was a Wild Hogs too? I'm glad Maybe I'm thinking not. of um, what's the one with all the Adam Sandler people, except Adam Sandler's not in it, where they're all old, uh, old guys or something. What's it called? Chris Rock and Grown David Spade. Yeah, there you go. Old except guys. Sandler's absolutely in that. He is yeah. in that. Yeah, you're right. Um, and in fifth Old place, guys. the last Mimsy uh, didn't see the first Mimsy. So, uh, yep. Yeah. I have no context for the Mimsy. So this <laughs> being the last has no effect on me whatsoever. Uh, rounding out the top 10, we have the uh, oh, the opening weekend of the sequel to the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes 2. Oh, surprisingly, uh, a really good remake sequel. That is what I just have a, heard. Just a I've fun heard, little slasher. I've heard both of those are really, really solid. Uh, I don't want to see them because I don't like the gore shit, but I've heard they're both very good. Uh, in seventh place, Premonition. Uh, Rain Over Me in eighth place. Added, speaking of Adam Sandler, um, 
in ninth place. Was that place. the one where he's like the street musician or whatever? Uh, I, I think it's the I think it's the nine eleven one. Oh, yeah. with him he's and homeless uh, guy, right? Him and Don Cheadle, maybe. Yeah, is that yep. what that one is? Yeah, him and Don Cheadle. Yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith, Liv Tyler, Saffron Burroughs, Donald Sutherland, Robert Klein. What a cast! Ted Ted Motherfucking Raimi. John Delancey, Q himself. Uh, and then uh, in ninth place, a little movie called Pride. What if what if there was a Pride? Um, Terrence Howard. an animated lion movie or something? I don't know. It's got Terrence Howard in it. Um, I, I know nothing about this movie. Um, and then right. in 10th uh, place, uh, previous episode of this podcast, Dead Silence, down from number four the previous week. Go Go listen to our previous episode on Dead Silence. Yes, please do. Um, the tomatometer score, I'm going to have to look up here real quick because I forgot to do it before. It's the one thing I didn't Oops. have open. Oops. I can't believe you've done this. I know. I'm the worst. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, tomatometer score on this one is a 35%. The critics' consensus, TMNT's art direction is splendid, but the plot is non-existent and the dialogue lacks the irony and goofy wit of the earlier Ninja Turtles movies. I'm inclined to agree. Uh, the Metascore is a 41 with mixed or average reviews from 21 critics. And the Letterbox score is a 2.8. Tucker, out of five stars, how are you rating 2007's TMNT? Uh, strangely enough, this week, I pretty much agree with Letterbox. I give it a two and a half. Give it a two and a half? I give it a two. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're going. Um yeah, not not great. I think I liked it a little less than you. Obviously, liked it a little less than you did. But you know, it's it's well, a, it's, a, it's a fine thing. It's something that I. It's not something that I have aged out of. I don't think this film is, but I think that this film has not aged as well as I would have liked for it to. And I think that's just because of it was kind of a weird time for CG animation, kind mm -hmm. of a transition period. Definitely. Uh, so nothing from that era looks good because. We were kind of trying to figure some shit out, like yep. on the edge of certain things, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of positive things about this movie that still hold up, but there's a lot that doesn't, unfortunately. Agreed. I and I, I think I guess I think less works than 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 does. Um, but there, there. I mean, visually, it it looks as good as something from this era can. Um, so yeah, do with that what you will. But yeah, it's it it could well, be worse. I think the editing is is really inspired in some places. Uh, mm. Some of the transitions are really creative if you're paying attention. We should mention uh, heavily inspired by uh, Hong Kong action films. Absolutely. I uh, remember the first trailer to this was just the, the part at the end where they're just running across the rooftops of the buildings. And sure. everybody's minds just exploded when we saw that which uh, honestly, holy shit that looked good is kind of exactly what minds are doing now with the new trailer like the people are looking at that animation him, yeah. style and going wow that looks that looks really fucking incredible because you know what it kind of does look really fucking it incredible really so yeah. it literally looks like someone is drawing it as you're seeing it yeah which and almost um, like almost like dr cat's squiggle vision but mm -hmm. like evolved to yeah, the point I mean, of perfection like like an entire movie of spider punks kind of honestly yeah sorta yeah which is kind of cool so 
I don't know. There you go. That I don't know. There, there it is. We 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 did ninety minutes That's on it. TMNT. That's great. That's, That's good. One. I like that. So, cut, print, send it to the printer. I know you got to head out here in a second. So we'll go mm-hmm. ahead and land this plane. Hey guys, this has been the Disenfranchised Podcast, and you should check us out wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a nice five star juicy rating and review, particularly if you're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, if you, if you like us and you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. So we drop in your podcatcher every day. But if you write us a nice review, Hey, we'll read it here on the podcast and, and we'll thank you. You'll, you'll be our, our best good friend for a good long while. Uh, cause we do love and appreciate when people do that for us. Uh, no one's done it in a while. So get on that. Uh, don't just leave the, re- leave the, the rating, give us the review too. Um, is there something you would like to see us do that we haven't done yet? Uh, shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Uh, let us know. Let us know what you think about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in general. If you email us, we could read your, um, excuse me, could read your email on a future episode. Um, you can find us on all of the social media. We are on, uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, Twitter for now, threads, uh, and YouTube at disenfranchpod pod uh, i'm your host Stephen fox you can find me on instagram letterbox uh twitter for now threads and blue sky at chewy walrus tucker where can we find you these days uh just youtube uh at ice 909 i-c-e-n-i-n-e the number zero and the number nine uh also you know head on over to the insta scams and uh check out tuck's mugs at tuck underscore mugs Team over at Tuck Mugs works really, really hard to create quality content. Just pumping that out on a on a weekly basis, at least, at least. Uh, so, so go and check that out. Um, follow us there, and also if you want to submit a mug, uh, just follow the format of the 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 of the page. I guess the Instagram page. Tell uh, us, tell us a where you got the mug. Uh, B um when you got like give us the story of your mug and then what you've got in it and then if you have instagram uh give us your handle there so we can tag you and send that to disenfranchisepod@gmail.com yeah we got the picture is the most important part yeah otherwise we're just going to screenshot your your email and put it put it up on the instagram page well we will draw a mug based on how you've described it right absolutely <laughs> that is what we'll do but yeah go ahead and send that to uh, disenfranchisepod@gmail.com com uh and um, our absent co-host brett wright you can find him on instagram and letterbox at sus underscore warlock if you want to see what he's up to because he's not been around as much lately but hey we're really hoping to get him back for a teenage mutant ninja turtle oops all video game corner episode uh in the meantime make sure you check us out on all those social media platforms we're on facebook as well i don't know if i mentioned that we're on the disenfranchised pod is on facebook as well um, but yeah, that is all she wrote for TMNT. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy, uh, for my co-host Tucker and the absent Brett Wright. Until next time, God, I love being a turtle. <laughs>